is Dave Anthony. Welcome to the Pulse News Podcast, your daily news pulse. How are you doing today? Hope everything's treating you real fine and dandy. I know I'm doing real well. How about what's going on in Washington and also across the country in six of these states? All of the mess that's going on with this election. It's incredible, isn't it? And everything will eventually be straightened out, but it'll take some time. All the lawsuits that are out there right now, and there are many lawsuits, Within those six states, there are all these lawsuits. What occurs with these lawsuits, they have to be taken care of before the certifications or after the certifications, but everything has to be wrapped up completely before a president can be inaugurated. You can't have it where you have all these lawsuits going on, and you have all these orphan votes, and you've got all these issues going on. You have a secretary of state that is a very leftist person running this whole operation. Now, with this election, this Secretary of State has to say, okay, these votes are good. I'm going to certify these votes. Now, if you have a lot of crummy votes out there where you had 100,000 people that were dead that voted, okay, and they put them back on the rolls, the voting rolls, there's a problem, okay? You can't be having people out there that are dead voting. That's nullified. You have orphaned votes, which we can't identify signatures to who this person is. They're called orphan votes. It also deals with other areas, you know, you can consider orphan votes, but you can't have those votes in there and saying, okay, that's a legitimate vote. So there you have it. That's the Secretary of State supposed to be above board with this and not looking at it and saying, okay, we have a lot of these crummy votes out here. We did a sloppy job of counting these votes. We locked out Republicans so they could not oversee what's going on with the vote at the time when the ballots came in. So what happened was your oversight was very, very minimal. The Republicans were not allowed to come in and look at those votes. Okay? So they knew, so other people, individuals, knew that these votes were not going to be able to be tallied because everything was such a mess. They figured that they had their tracks covered. The biggest problem was is when you have Donald Trump a million votes ahead in a state or 900,000 votes ahead in the state at maybe around 11 o'clock, and suddenly they shut down. Nobody shuts down counting in any state. That's the most oddest thing to happen. Well, they shut down and they stopped voting every state almost simultaneously at the same time in six states, very critical states. In turn, they're stalling the votes. They weren't informing other people that they stopped the vote. They said, we, you know, the vote has been completed. So a lot of the vote counters go home. They hold back a bunch of other vote counters. I'm speculating this is how it happened according to eyewitness accounts. So, you know, like I say, you have to do due diligence when you're doing your research about this, get second opinions and what have you. But this is what my research has been coming up with. And what in turn happens is at 3 o'clock in the morning, they do a called a vote dump or a ballot dump where they brought thousands and thousands and thousands of ballots into Michigan. There were ballots brought into Pennsylvania. They had to make up the difference of the deficit of how many votes Biden had versus Trump. So they could lower Trump's rate and take and shift votes from Trump to Biden. So Biden becomes the winner, Trump becomes the loser. He loses all of his votes. 
They get erased. So that's what happens. So at 4 in the morning, suddenly Joe Biden is leading. Suddenly we get all these votes because they did it during the night. And the question is, is if Biden was winning, he should have been winning early on, not all of a sudden. Another issue that came up was congressional races that really threw red flags out there. The Republicans won. They won so many seats congressionally. With the Senate, they did the same thing. They won a lot of seats. The Democrats, the leftist Democrats, I'm not talking about old blue dog Democrats, the conservative, moderate Democrat. I'm talking about the leftist, socialist, reset Democrats, okay, the great reset Democrats I'm talking about. They lost a lot of seats, the Democrats did. So congressionally, the Republicans won a lot of seats. So in, in turn, that doesn't make any sense either. One area, if usually, if the congressionally, if they win a lot of seats by great margins, usually the president's going to win. No problem. It's going to be a landslide. This didn't happen this time. The president lost by an unbelievable amount. If they win a lot of congressional seats, the president usually wins the election. Also, the stock market was up at the time. Very, very strong stock market. Very, very strong economy. Usually, a president loses the election by this kind of margins when the economy stinks. When the economy sucks, that's usually when the president loses his you know, office. This is all upside down, inside out, and backwards. There's something that doesn't smell right. It doesn't pass the test, so to speak. So this is what they're looking into right now, folks. And it's going to take a, quite a bit of time to get this thing ironed out. So that's one area we're looking at. We're looking at the one key. We're looking at a lot of things, but also we're looking at the certifications of these things, okay, of these votes. And they're trying to ram them through the certifications through the Secretary of States. The way the system operates and the way the Constitution is designed, the Constitution of the United States, not necessarily the Constitution of each individual state. That's a little bit different. You have constitutions of each individual state, and then you have overshadowing that is the Constitution of the United States. So there's a lot of information here that is not being seen by the liberal leftist media, or as I call Pravda-style media, okay, the socialist media. So, and, and I'm just hitting the surface of this because you'd have to be a constitutional expert and a lawyer to really see through all the issues and all the jots and tittles that's going on and all the maneuvering and what have you and all the minutiae that goes along with this. But that's basically what we're looking at. And the media is kind of saying it's cut and dry, it's this and this and this, and it's not that. Understand, much of the left-wing media has completely lost its objectivity. Also, the conservative media has been kind of leaning toward losing their objectivity as well. And I'm not saying all the conservative media. There are a handful of conservative media out there that's really saying this is what it's about. What has occurred with Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, we could go on and on, is that they have lost their objectivity, okay? They're not objective anymore the way they present the news. It's either left, left of center, liberal, globalist, the new reset attitude that they are pushing forward because of their sponsors that are running the shows. Don't let it fool you, the sponsors are running the shows. They 
provide the money. They provide the narrative. They say, I don't like this. I like this. I don't like that. I like that. And the person on the show, the host, has to follow that guideline. Otherwise, they drop millions of dollars worth of ad revenue. They pull their time from the show. So they have to run a fine line a lot of these shows, especially in the evening on Fox News. They hold a lot of cash that comes into that Fox network, okay, of news network. When you lose your objectivity, and I could say this directly to Tucker Carlson, to Sean Hannity, whoever. I could say this to someone on the left over on CNN. I could say it to some local radio station host. I could say it to every news source out there, every independent. I could say it to every conservative media. This is what I learned years ago from some really great broadcasters that mentored me and gave me some great advice and told me this straight up front. And I learned this because I was a very young man and in my 20s and I had the great opportunity of becoming a general manager of running a radio station. So I had to worry about the news, I had to worry about continuity, I had to worry about the continuity that mixed in with the music, because that all fits together. At least in the old days, now it doesn't at all, but in the old days you had that whole big package that was the radio station, including your on-air talent at the time, which was called a dish jockey in those days. And then you had your news announcers, and everyone was a personality. They were big personalities, for radio especially. Today it's really nothing at all anymore, it's jukebox radio for the most part. And... Now, with television, you've got news. What happened the other evening? Tucker Carlson and the Sidney Powell scuffle on the air. Well, got brought onto the air by Tucker Carlson. Now, I'm not here to bash Tucker Carlson. I'm not here to bash anyone. But it's in the news, okay? That The name's in the news. And, you know, these guys are big-time operators. So they believe they're omnipotent, on-air people. It's just the old statement of ego, I've been in radio long enough, television, you know, the whole nine yards, that I know ego when I see it. It becomes a great, how can I say this, it becomes part of what happens. It's a great lure. It's an Achilles heel. The ego becomes Achilles heel. It does not become an asset. It becomes a liability after a while. So I would say, if anyone would talk to me about this, and they'd say, who are you? You're some little peon. Well, that doesn't matter. When you're in the media world and broadcasting, whether you were there for 40 years, if you were there for 30 years... It's all relative. It's all relative. Believe me, folks. You know, someone can be this, this omnipotent, great person with all this power and all on a television network, and they get fired three minutes later. I mean, it's just the way that the system works. There's a lot of egos. For one ego that's running the television show, there are 30 egos behind in the background that are producing the show. Everyone has an ego when you deal in television. It's just the nature of it. You become a celebrity. And it becomes Achilles heel, I'll tell you. It's not an asset at all. It's a liability when it comes down to it because you always have to stay on top. And one thing that occurred that I noticed with Tucker Carlson's show, and also I see it with Hannity, I see it with a lot of different people out there that are these mogul gods of television news, okay? What happens is, and it's just an opinion commentary kind of thing. It's not to bash anyone, because they know where their Achilles heels are, folks. They know where their liabilities are in how they present things and where the asset is in the continuity and the material that they present. That's why you see one week they're conservative, the next week they're moderate, the next week they're liberal, the next week they're left of center, they're over here, they're over here, over here. So they'll, they'll look at that and the producer will say, okay, this is a liability, this is an asset. This is a liability, this is an asset, subject they're putting on the air. 
So I'm not going to attack that, and this is not at a point of me attacking this issue with Tucker Carlson or anyone else, because everyone's a critic. Like I say, it's an ego thing, folks. It's a big ego thing. So the thing that I was told years ago, and it kept me in line when I program a station, when I would deal with other people that were in the studio that did news and continuity, I would get my meeting together with these people. I'm a young guy, okay? I want to make the station a success. And the success to me was entertaining people to serve, inform, and entertain the public. That's my idea of a great radio station and programming a great radio station. Because once you do that, you bring a lot of good advertisers to your radio station. You get a good, devoted audience, okay, that really likes you because they enjoy your material. And I told my news people, and this goes just generally across the board. And this, I noticed this the other night, especially with Tucker Carlson's show. And I'm not attacking Tucker Carlson. Believe me, I'm not. There's a lot of people that like this guy. Like I say, he's a media god, so to speak. And there's a lot of ego there that automatically comes with the accolades of being a very powerful person and extremely successful and also very, very popular with a 8 million, 9 million person audience each night. So what happens is, like I said, there's an asset and also a liability when it comes with that much power. And I was told this years ago, this is... 40 years ago. And this guy was a great broadcaster in the market, which I was living at the time. And he said to me, Dave, when you lose your objectivity as a general manager, I realized that each and every person on that radio station in which I'd be programming or whatever I was doing, managing or whatever, it always stuck into my mind. And it was part of me because I believed the same thing, but it just was a reminder that when you lose your objectivity, you're not objective. You lose your objectivity, you lose your credibility. It comes in time. The other night, when I seen that happen, between Sidney Powell and Tucker Carlson, that just like flew out at me. I started seeing the objectivity being lost on the show. I also seen eventually the credibility being lost to that show. Now, not fully, because there's a lot of people that just love that kind of thing going on, that uh, tabloid kind of thing that comes out on television a lot of times. I seen a setup myself, personally, because I didn't see anything there where, you know, Tucker Carlson came back and says, hey, anytime you want to come, Sydney, you're welcome to come here. You know, our door is open to you. No strings attached. We just want to know what's going on. Love you to come on the show. No problem at all. You get your information together. Come on. We'll talk about it. Make a time for you. You can have the whole show if you want. That's objectivity, okay? When you attack and you start questioning and saying the results are clear, you have no information. There is no such thing as what you're saying about the voting machine company. You're suggesting that to a potential person that wants to come on your show and talk. That's been working on this fraud thing. Understand Sidney Powell or whoever's working on this whole thing. They've got a lot of irons in the fire. They have to do a lot of research. It's just a big deal, okay? They're attorneys, and they've got to work feverishly on this whole thing. And they don't want to present information that's very sensitive that the left-wing media can take out of context and destroy. I mean, we're dealing with a very sensitive situation here. Tucker Carlson... Obviously, his producers wanted all the facts. And when you want someone to give you all the facts, only 10 days in, there's something going on there. And I just sense that, and this is my opinion, you know, this show's about commentary, opinion, and editorial. It's not about attacking anyone. I wish these shows the best. I hope they flourish for all I care. I don't care. It's just the way it is because it's a business, okay? And so, like I say, there's liabilities and there's assets with every business. So we'll leave it at that. 
That's food for thought. I'm not telling you to stop watching Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, CNN. You do whatever you want. You watch what you want to do. You believe what you want to believe. That's our Constitution. You're well welcome to do it. And you figure it out for yourself. We all have that free will God gave us. So that's not the issue. You know, the issue is just I'm speaking about being objective and not losing your objectivity on the air. When you do news commentary and editorial programming, such as this program, and there's a lot of other programs the same way, that that's what it's based on. It's being objective about editorial commentary and providing information that's based on editorial and commentary and opinion. When you lose your objectivity, you lose your credibility. It comes in time. The show loses its credibility. I've seen this how many times with radio station formats, talk shows, talk formats. They lost their objectivity, and they became an attack format. They start losing their credibility. That's one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not attacking anyone right now. You may think I am, but I'm not. You know, I'm being objective about this. And so as we look further down the road of this, you start seeing where things get tied in between the media and politics, and it starts losing its objectivity with that as well. So as you see, like Fox News during the daytime hours, they totally lost their objectivity. Why? Because they're tying in their own political beliefs, pushing a narrative politically to their format of news, and they kick the objectivity right out the window. And so they start losing their credibility with the audience. So in short, the audience gets ticked off and they move in another direction. They start looking for programming that is objective and has objectivity to it. It gets to the truth of the matter. It doesn't have a bunch of BS to it. It's not politically driven. And that's the bottom line because it's not good for networks, radio stations, to have a political narrative and to throw it and shove it down your throat. People get angry and they leave. And that's what's happening to Fox News. It happens with a CNN. It happens with any network out there that decides to pivot, get the audience, and then pivot away. It never works. It just never works. People will go to the Internet. They'll go to alternative media to find different programs that generally and completely cuts through all the gunk and all the misinformation and all the propaganda and all the issues that are being brought up that are not objectively brought forth. Let's put it that way. So that's what we're looking at right now. I'm going to kind of go back, and at the beginning of, this, of the program here, I wanted to uh, discuss something with you with the mask situation, also the six-foot distancing kind of thing. Today I was going into a supermarket, and there are people everywhere. And you have the six-foot distance between you and the next person when you're going into the checkout line. Well, I want to go to the speedy line. I don't want to stand there for 45 minutes and be three-quarters of a mile away from the checkout because you're six foot away from each person. And, of course, individuals do not know how to really determine where six feet is because you have a buggy in front of you. And so what happens is that line of sight is a little bit, you know, obscure or obstructed. And so individuals will say, okay, I got a big buggy here, I got me, and then I have to be six feet away. Well, it talks about the person being six foot away from the next little hash mark. So that's where the person goes, not where the buggy goes, and then you're behind the buggy. So what happens is this six foot goes into 12 feet. I've seen places, honestly, that I go in, supermarkets, and they are 14 feet away from each other. And before you know it, it's all the way to the back of the building, and the manager is freaking out and calling for more cashiers. And it's hilarious, but also kind of tragically sad that we've come to this lowest common denominator in society that we have all these draconian new world order kind of things going on that people are being brainwashed to believe that 
You know, you have to have a mask on to protect the next person. It's just a precautionary thing, just precautionary. And it's not precautionary because, you know, you take the mask off and you're going to be spreading it anyways, this, this so-called virus, right? And when you think about it and you kind of narrow it down and kind of filter it out and filter through it and see what's going on, it's, it's not quite logical because the mask really is irrelevant when it comes to this. Where the relevancy of any kind of infection comes is whenever a person has a fever. When a person doesn't have a fever, then they are non-contagious. doesn't mean necessarily somebody can get a cold from that because somebody might have a lower immune system that you're around and they just catch it and they also might be catching it from other aspects or it might be even just they have an allergy of some sort and it kind of, you ever hear of hay fever? Well, hay fever can very well, you know, mask itself and trick itself into looking like a flu virus. So there's so many variables involved with this. But, of course, you have the left-wing media that's lumping this whole thing together. You've got Fauci who's saying everything is COVID-19 because they're cashing in on the vaccine, and they've got all kind of little shenanigans going on here. Don't let it fool you, folks. They're making money and making tons of money on individuals that decide to say, okay, I'm playing into this. Not getting a second opinion. Not looking for all the information. They're just saying, okay, whatever you say, I'm sold on. Unfortunately, sadly, people pass away, and a family member passes away, or a friend passes away. It just happens to be in the same time period as this COVID-19. Well, instead of taking extra action and saying, hey, what happened to my loved one or what happened to my friend, I don't buy that this COVID-19 thing is actually what it is. Now, that person may have ended up with pneumonia. They may have had a lower immune system, and this was working on them. Or they died, you know, whatever, motorcycle, or just tripped and fell, and just it's an unfortunate accident that occurs. And the doctors say, well, COVID-19 that caused this. But in reality, it was another thing that occurred, an unfortunate event, whatever. You know, there's many things that happen in this world that are unfortunate. They have been happening way before COVID-19, but now they're brought out to the forefront in order to legitimize this COVID-19 thing going on, or as I call it, the political COVID-19 infection. That's what I call it. The, the political infection is what I call this COVID-19. They needed a name for it, folks. Let's put it that way. And so you just can't sell something without an official name, okay, a moniker, so to speak. So they can sell it in every possible way they can. Television commercials, you name it. We're selling masks. We're doing this, that, and the other. And they have to have COVID-19 as their, their moniker, okay. And enough people that are stuck on stupid to buy into that, that won't ask questions, now, I'm not calling, if you believe in this and you got your mask, hey, well, that's your prerogative. I will not condemn you. I'm not calling you in the audience stuck on stupid. We have a really great audience out there, and I really appreciate them. And if you feel you need to have that mask on and you feel you're at a higher risk, okay, and let's say you have asthma or whatever or whatever your circumstances are, then, okay, you've got to do what you have to do. But I'm talking about gullible people, individuals that don't ask secondary or second opinions. See, when you get sick, you always ask for a second opinion. I know whenever I am sick, I will always go and ask a second opinion. I'll go to a doctor, and then I'll go make a couple of phone calls. I'll do a little research. I want to see a second opinion because I'm not going to buy into this stuff because I'm not going to be pumped full of drugs. I do not want to have drugs in me. Uh, if it's necessary, I want them for just a time, a season, short one, <laughs> very, very short until my immune system builds up, and then I can fight this. That's what they talk about antibodies. Antibodies are just the fact you're building up your immune system. It's like a battery being charged in your car. Like a battery in the car, okay, you need an alternator to charge that battery. The immune system is kind of the alternator that charges the battery. And so your battery stays 
automatically charged 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Now, when that battery gets low or the alternator is not quite charging to the battery, then what happens? There's a dead cell in there. The car will not start or the SUV will not start. doesn't matter. Batteries are always what they are, and they will always be what they are. They are units that hold a charge. That's the same way with our body and our immune system. Really great. Our batteries are at 100%. That's called the immune system. That's being immune to different things, COVID-19. That's called antibodies within your system that are fighting this thing and saying, I don't like it, I'm kicking it out. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. And that's just very simple. You can go into medical books and they can go into all the jargon and what have you, but we're just talking, you know, one-on-one -on -one here. But I digress, and I just want to get back to the original story I talked to you about when I first started the show here, and it was about going to the supermarket, and everyone is standing in line, okay, but they're six feet apart from each other. When you have the carts there and there's people are standing six feet apart from each other, the lengths get a little longer each time because somebody has a different cart. Rather than moving up to the line, you know, the person actually moving up to the line, they move the cart up to the line, okay? You get what I'm saying? So behind that is, what, three and a half feet or whatever it is, and the person's standing there. So the next person is doing the same thing. So before you know it, they're all the way back to the end of the building with a line waiting to check out their food at the supermarket. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, this is kind of ridiculous. So I'm not going to stand in line like that, so I'm going to go to the self-serve checkout line. Well, this becomes a real problem, I'm noticing, because I'm trying to go straight through from where the checkouts start to the other end where the self-serve is. Now, there's, what, 12 or 14 checkouts at my supermarket. It's a big supermarket. So what do I have to do? It's kind of cramped in this spot, you know, this aisle, which is no longer there because of everyone's doing this social distancing stuff. I thought to myself, how am I going to get through here? So I'm looking, and I thought, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to cause a traffic jam behind me. So what I did is rather than go all the way around the building, I decided to zigzag through everyone. Now, I was getting the stink eye, and some people were nice about it. Others were like looking at me like I was cutting in line, which I wasn't. I was just zigzagging through. It looked kind of silly, but it was actually kind of funny, really. At least from my standpoint, it was funny. But I thought to myself, when I got through to the other end, how ridiculous this whole thing is with the social distancing. It doesn't matter if you're two feet away from someone or six feet away from someone. If you have a fever and you're out sick in the public, people are going to get sick around you because you have a fever. You are contagious. If you don't have a fever... You're not contagious. You got a cold. If you cough in somebody's face, they're going to get a cold. They're going to get the COVID cold. It's not going to kill you. The CDC has already proclaimed that. The masks are there, as far as I'm concerned, as the silence of the lambs. They do not want you to be communicating. They do not want you to be associating with anyone else socially. Because when you're converting to a socialist country, they have to start putting the boot on you. If Biden gets in there, they're going to put the thumb screws on us, folks. Let's put it that way. They are going to have thumb screws on all of our fingers. Believe me. I mean, it's going to be that way. You just see the way things are going with this election. Could you imagine that? What's going to happen to us? You talk about the royal screws, I'll tell you, you're going to get the shaft and all. You know where they're going to shove the shaft, too, I'll tell you. So I'm just kind of going over a kind of a silly situation I went through today. But it's really not necessary. It's almost to the point of ridiculous now. And... 
it's time for us as citizens to speak up and say, hell no, this is enough. We will listen to guidelines that are sensible and practical, not guidelines that are going to destroy our lives and take our freedoms away from us. That's what this election also has to deal with, the same scenarios. Do you like your freedoms being taken away from you? And I'm asking this to you out in the audience. Did anyone raise their hand and say yes? I don't think any of us raised our hands and said yes. Sure, take my freedoms away from me. Oh, what the hell? I don't care. You know, it's for the good of the COVID virus. This started in February, this COVID-19. Here we are already in November. It was called 15 Days to Prevent the Spread. I think everyone had a little cheatsy thing how they described it. You know, 15 Days to Prevent the Spread, whatever, some rhyming things that they had out there. But it doesn't matter. At the beginning of this thing, what really matters is the fact they said, oh, only 15 days to, you know, reduce the spread. You know, what happened to the 15 days? What is it, 10 months to prevent the spread? 365 days to prevent the spread? Oh, uh, well, no, that's going to be four years to prevent the spread. Of what? Of nothing. To prevent the spread of you being in contact with other people. To prevent you and I from communicating and going out and playing softball and football and going to football and softball games and baseball games and hockey games and, and not just sporting events, but, you know, you want to go to an outdoor wedding. Uh, you want to go on a picnic. You want to talk to your neighbor, and there might be four people there, and they want to talk and maybe have a little picnic or, you know, whatever. Just get together or walking through the park, and you see someone in the park, and you say, hello, how you doing? You know, and there's all kind of fun people having a great time, smiling at each other. They don't want that because they want to put a foot on your neck, folks. You, I, and everyone else. Globalism, the Great Reset, which is the New World Order, the Great Reset is what we're now dealing with. And it started with the masks, and they needed a great excuse, and it's called COVID-19. And that's what this is about. It has nothing to do with people getting sick. It has nothing to do with anything. You know, I'm sure people are listening to me and saying, how do you know? You're no doctor. Well, I'm no doctor. All I'm doing is just putting some food for thought out there. Get a second opinion, folks. That's all I can say. I did my research from a long way back, and just the way this thing is trending itself, it's time for people to take action and ask questions. At least tell us the truth that this is the new world order, this is the great reset that's going to just put a boot on our neck and destroy us. At least we know where you're coming from. But don't try to sell us a big con job, a snow job. Because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, folks. When governors can go on their little junkets, what is Newsom goes out and goes to parties. They go to Hawaii. No masks on. No social distancing. And then comes back and, and then does a con job on people saying, hey, okay for me, none for thee. And now what are they doing? The people of California are trying to rescind his nomination as the governor of the state of California to get him Vamoosed out with a boot up as you know what to get him out of there as the governor because he's breaking every rule that he swore to defend the Constitution, to believe in the Constitution, to follow the Constitution of the United States of America, and he spit on it. It's a lot of governors out there right now that are doing that. Not all of them, but a lot of them. When they put their hand on the Bible, they did it before men and God and before the public, to swear, I'm going to defend this Constitution, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to make sure I abide by all these rules and regulations of the Constitution. And what do these politicians do? Figuratively, and not literally, 
spit on the Constitution, spit on the Bible, spit on us, and laugh in our face. That's what they're doing. That's what that Newsom's doing. That's what the governor of Pennsylvania's doing. That's what the governor of Michigan's doing, including the governor down in Georgia. He's doing the same thing because what are they doing? They're hiding behind something. Something's chasing them, folks. A man doesn't have to go hide. So it's the old statement. You can run, but you can't hide. And they laughed at us behind our back and mocked us like we're the village idiots. Shame on you. Shame on you. You can run, but you can't hide. Something's gaining on you, and it's the voters. Just remember that. And that goes for the governor of Pennsylvania, the governor of Georgia, the governor of California, or any other governor or leaders out there that took an oath to uphold the United States of America in its highest forms through the Constitution. And after they put their hand on that Bible, when they were sworn into office, they spit on the Constitution, they spit on us, figuratively and not literally, as voters. And that's exactly what happened this election. And it's a shame. And it's time for us to stand up legally, by means of the Constitution, by standing behind the Constitution and saying, this is what the law says. We stand behind this document. This is us. The Constitution is a document that represents the United States of America. It is the United States of America. It is the blood of the United States of America. It is the immune system of the United States of America. It keeps it alive from someone coming in and attacking it like a COVID virus that would attack the Constitution. Just think of the Constitution as the immune system of the United States of America. And you have all these little germs corrupt and nefarious individuals continually trying to rewrite and modify the DNA, the lifeblood of the Constitution of the United States of America. And in 244 years, many have tried to tear the Constitution down and shred it, rewrite it, modify it. And still, it lasts the test of time. And it lasts the test of time through all adversities. Why? Because the Constitution was written that way by ingenious and to be honored founders of the United States of America because it's a strong immune system. Now you have the globalists and also the Great Reset people making a decision saying, okay, we're going to bring it down our way. We're just going to go around the back end here and then we're going to bring it down that way. And we're just going to rewrite it. And everyone says, okay, you can't rewrite it, you can't update it because you need a constitutional convention. Believe me, folks, I hate to say this this way, but if they're rewriting laws for elections, if they get their foot in the door, they're going to go and tamper with the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights that are our rights. That's as simple as that because they're going to use the Great Reset as part of that as a global pact to just infiltrate our freedoms, but also other countries' freedoms. They might not be as robust as our freedoms are. Speaking to a world audience here, believe me, they will do that. And I'm sure if you came from a communist country or a country that has been taking over through communism, you know where I'm coming from. Now, on this podcast, I've been painting everything with a broad brush, getting a lot of information out there in food for thought, let's put it that way, and communicating to you directly, being objective about it, not losing my objectivity when it comes to these subjects, because they are what they are. You really can't dice them around and juggle them and throw them in the air and see which way they're going to land, because they are clear as the sun rises in the morning. They are what they are. And, of course, anyone can just kind of twist them and say, okay, this is what it is, that's what it is, this is what it is. Or they use the word conspiracy theory. And what is a conspiracy theory? And better yet, combined, what is a conspiracy theory and propaganda? 
Well, a conspiracy theory is just fake news. So fake news will say, oh, anyone who comes out with any alternate viewpoints is a conspiracy theorist, let alone the fact that they are the conspiracy theorists with the fake news. They distort the source of the news and the facts that are out there. It's propaganda. Propaganda is basically an assumption. It is news that's distorted and it's twisted, rewritten in such a way that it completely changes the narrative to another opposing view to make that opposing view look true. Like I say, it's gaslighting. It's changing the story completely in order to hide facts, in order to hide the truth, in order to hide history, destroy history, erase certain things that the media does not want you to know or an individual doesn't want you to know. Fact being, Adolf Hitler's nationalities was of Jewish and also Austrian descent. He didn't like that. When he became Chancellor of Germany, during the war period, he ended up taking over that part of Austria. Now, how could you get rid of your historic bloodlines of being Jewish, and here you're Chancellor of Germany, and you want to open up the master race? What happens? Well, the war is going on, and Adolf Hitler decides, since they are controlling the country of Austria, he goes to his hometown and does target practice on it, and destroying everything in the town that had any resemblance of his background, any historical artifacts, everything, wiped it out. Even the cemeteries, the headstones were totally destroyed in his hometown in Austria that he grew up in. So he erased history. He used propaganda to erase that history and rewrite a lie as the new history. How did he manage to get away with this? The war was going on and he did it under the cover of war. Propaganda, erasing history rewriting history so he could build the master race up and his disdain for the innocent Jewish people that they had to wipe out millions to just erase millions of innocent lives in such horror as they died in the Holocaust. for One man's thirst for power and global dominance. So when I talk to you today about this new world order and this reset, history has a tendency of repeating itself when you have absolute power. Absolute power absolutely corrupts folks in all areas that's how propaganda works now the story has a lot of twists and turns to it historically there's many many different things that you could discuss which I'm discussing with you about in this area with Adolf Hitler like I said I'm hitting the surface on this just using this as an example a brief example so many of the stories you hear today on the news considering conspiracy theory propaganda are two different things Propaganda is to distort the source and distort the truth. That's what propaganda is. Conspiracy theories are usually educated guesses. Individuals who use educational information and twist it to give it life of its own. An example being, there's a painting from a great painter named Norman Rockwell. If you go online, you can find this painting. Just type in Norman Rockwell, and you can go and see where this painting is because it's available online. But it's an interesting painting. It shows a painting of about 30 people, just the headshots of these individuals, and they're all talking to each other. The first person talking at the top of this painting is giving the information out they heard. They whisper to another person, and they talk to the person beside them, this other headshot of this other individual. Now, each person is hearing this information from that first sourced person. 
by the time you get to the bottom of that painting, you'll see the last person got the information. Now, what this expresses in this painting, how gossip gets started. This could also be an example, and a pretty darn good example, how conspiracies get started. Conspiracy theories get started. If you get a line of people together and you whisper something in someone's ear, the first person is going to talk to the second person all the way down to the end of the line. By the time, by the end of the line, by the time that last person gets that information, that information is completely changed. That's what the media is doing. Fake news is doing. They'll hear one source, they'll tell another source. You'll get all this information out there, and before you know it, within three days, the whole story has changed. The whole story has changed in order to completely change the narrative. You'll see this on the news all the time. One big story is up there, and they go on and on and on with it. Example being is the Trump-Russia-Russia-Russia thing. It went on forever. Stories kept changing. They kept changing the narrative in order to convict him in the court of public opinion that he is guilty of crimes, and he needs to be impeached and thrown out of office. This was on the conservative side. This was on the liberal side. There were a handful of people and a handful of newspapers online and on television that were actually saying, wait a minute, let's hold back here. This is just conspiracy. It's propaganda. Fake news. This didn't happen this way. So what happens? When conspiracy doesn't work on the fake news sites or the fake news in general, they start kicking propaganda in gear. It's the age-old thing, folks. If conspiracy doesn't work, they'll take the next step to use propaganda. Cover their sources. Destroy the source. Distort the source. That's what fake news is and propaganda and conspiracy theories. It distorts the source of information. They try to destroy the source of information. Create a new narrative. Create a new truth that's a bunch of lies. Rewrite history. There you have it. You can keep going on and on with this. So much of what you hear on fake news is a lot of assumption, educated guesses. When you see the fake news sites or the fake news media in general say, oh, our source says President Trump is going to concede the election. We have a source. We have an inside mole that's going to tell us the truth. When they say that, 99.9% .9 of the time they have zero sources. The only sources that they have are from other news sites other reporters that started the fake news, that started the conspiracy theory, and then it goes into propaganda to make sure it solidifies their narrative of rewriting history, rewriting something that they want to happen. It's called a bully pulpit. You see this with Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Because they have the bully pulpit, they can drive the narrative. They can drive the conspiracy. They can drive the propaganda. They can move the levers because they know there's so many millions out there that will listen to this and say, oh, there's an element of truth. You start a firestorm of conspiracies and also they'll say to the effect, mail-in voting is safe and effective and this statement has been disputed. Now, where and who comes off with saying that official statement that's absolute truth. The individuals at Facebook and Twitter that put these little red tags on the bottom of information they don't want out there that may have truth to it, claiming that it is false. So when you get these little tags on the bottom that are written in red and saying, this has been disputed officially by the Facebook, Twitter, and Google Stasi, that's when it becomes 
a little bit suspicious after a while when you have thousands and millions of people that are being banned off of Twitter and banned off of Facebook and are being deplatformed on Google. Then the red lights come out and the bells start going off and people start saying, wait a minute, this can't be true. It starts really showing its real ugly head that it's conspiracy and propaganda that actually Facebook, Twitter, and Google are putting out there. Why? To make a narrative take life of its own, their own narrative to make life of it in order to get Joe Biden as president and to change the system of government into the Great Reset. And it has nothing to do with freedom or the Constitution. It has to do with their pocketbook and their investors. They don't give a damn about this country. They only give a damn about themselves. That's it. Their investors and the next dollar that they can make and trying to form and shape society through the Great Reset. These guys wake up in the morning and look at themselves in their golden mirrors and believe they're doing something awfully good for humanity because they own all the money in the world. And all it is is Luciferian. And I'm not trying to put out propaganda. You look back Luciferianism. You look back all the way to Hitler. Adolf Hitler was big into the occult. These individuals, a lot of them are really, really big into this. They belong to certain organizations and clubs in order for these wheels to keep moving toward this new world order, this great reset. The only thing that's going to keep them from moving forward in the great reset, the global reset, is the Constitution of the United States of America and Donald J. Trump, President Trump, and the people of the United States of America that love freedom, and including individuals worldwide that live in other countries. And that always keeps freedom moving, the individuals that believe in our Constitution and believe in freedom worldwide in other countries. Example being World War II. Now move forward to today. It's an aerial bombing, not from a plane from an enemy individual, an enemy army. It is from an aerial bombing from our media, our left-wing socialist communist media that believes in the Great Reset, who is in love with Joe Biden. Not so much Joe Biden, they're in love with his philosophies. He's a can-do, yes man for the globalists. That's why they chose him, because they know they can attack from within. The enemy army is the media, the fake media, the fake social media. They're using armies, alternate armies, physical armies, Antifa, and also Black Lives Matters as their right arm to cause as much chaos as they can in this United States of America, just to impose fear on people, to bring them to their knees in order for them to say, okay, I give in. The Constitution is a very powerful document with a lot of resolve to it. That's what it's all about. The fake news media, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, we can go on and on and on. The propaganda and conspiracy channels, along with Facebook, Twitter, and Google, figure they can go and do their thing and reclaim this country and rebuild it and shape it and mold it into some new reset where in artificial intelligence and computers all kind of merge into the human DNA of our lives and where they can control it and they can be gods of our system, gods of our life. The one thing that they forgot to look at was the Constitution of the United States of America. It's last over 244 years that this is a sleeping giant that's now awakening during this election season. And it is a big sleeping giant, and it has a lot of resolve. Just watch and see what's going to happen. If the founders of this country put these switches and levers in order to protect our freedoms and also to make sure 
that the justice system is running smoothly and correctly. Example being, if the Supreme Court of the United States botches this thing up, it'll be just as clear as you could possibly imagine because the Constitution never, never disputes itself or reinterprets itself. It is what it is. It's a document that is what it is. It says what it says. Regardless of how many more amendments they put onto the initial amendments, it still is what it is. Initially, what the founding fathers said within the Constitution, the founders say, okay, this is representative republic, and this is how it operates. A lot has changed over 244 years, but still, how it was written, and also pertaining to the Federalist Papers, that's another issue altogether. This whole thing between the Constitution and the Federalist Papers, it has a lot of power to it. It's a powerful sleeping giant that when it needs to awake, it wakes in a vengeance to protect our country, to protect our freedoms. And it can't be twisted by judges because it always comes back to appeals. It has to line up with the Constitution. Judges can't rewrite the Constitution because I don't like what I want to hear, even though they're doing that right now, many of these judges. It all comes back to the truth setting things free. Regardless of what anyone says, the Constitution sets us free. And that's just some food for thought. Thanks for joining me today. I hope to see you next week here on the Pulse News Podcast Radio. Actually, I might have a podcast later on this week. I'm not sure how things are going within the news cycle because there's a lot of redundancies out there, and I want to go through all the news that I'm seeing to be able to put a podcast out here that's relevant because I have to put a lot of information out there as we discuss this. So once again, thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you on the next Pulse News Podcast Radio. I'm Dave Anthony. Have a great week, and take care. Oh, <laughs>